The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by HotMovies.com. Try out some ethical paid-for porn for free with none of those hidden fees or secret recurring subscriptions when you sign up at HotMovies.com slash bonus and use the promo code MANHOR. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Happy Pride Month to all my trans beauties, bi-visibles, queer sexuals, and homo-homo sapiens. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show if you're new. Welcome back if you're not. Uh, I am your host, comedian Billy Presida. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with my show, this is a podcast where I typically talk to women I've hooked up with about sex, dating, oh, and why we didn't work out. However, this week's uh, special guest is not one of my former flames, although I have seen her G-spot up close and personal. Tell you more about that in a bit. Madison Young is on the podcast this week, everybody. Madison Young. Oh my gosh, are y'all in for a treat? What a superstar she is. Uh, now for your emails, people, your emails. Um, I've gotten some just randomly kind, nice words. Thank you. To those of you who send those in, uh, subject line is sex with a dasability. We're going to call this fella A. Uh, he writes, A writes, hey, Billy, love the podcast and been a member of your Patreon for about eight months now. The bonus episodes have been amazing to listen to. I copied the manual stimulation tips Jay Taylor showed you in that bonus episode, and my girlfriend loved it seriously hot. I wanted to shoot you an email regarding sex when one of the adults has a disability. I don't think it's something that uh, is really discussed. I'm of half-decent health, but I suffer from cystic fibrosis. This means I can easily get out of breath if I'm doing the hard work. The easy solution in the past has been to let my female partner take the lead and do the hard work. But with some past partners, that's resulted in a boring sex life. And I'm looking to switch it up. I also hate being seen as lazy. I love going down on women, but just struggle sometimes to fuck women for long periods. Any ideas? All the best, A. Well, um, I, I am, this is definitely outside of the realm of my fake expertise. So much so that like, I'm, I'm almost uncomfortable even attempting to answer this one. I actually know like nothing here. But I was like, hey, I want to help this dude out. There's no reason why we can't get him some help. So uh, I sought the assistance of a, a friend of mine on the internet. Her name is Leandra Vane. Uh, she goes by The Unlaced Librarian uh, on the interwebs. She is an erotic romance writer, uh, but also suffers from a disability herself and has written on the topic. So I asked her to, to answer this question for me. So I'm going to go ahead and play uh, some feedback, some advice from Leandra Vane. Hello, I am Leandra Vane, and on the internet at least, I am known as the Unlaced Librarian. I've been a sex writer since 2013. I pull from my experiences in BDSM and kink, open relationships, and disability. I was born with a birth defect called lipomyelomeningocele. And what that means for me today is that I live with nerve damage. I can't feel about half of my body. I have chronic nerve pain. 
I walk with leg braces, and I also have a chronic condition with my kidneys that causes lots of issues like fatigue and digestive issues and other things that I have to live with on a daily basis. And this definitely impacts my sex life, and this is definitely a common thing with people who have disabilities, chronic conditions, other health issues, is stamina in a sexual encounter. When sexual encounters take a lot of physical effort, and even though I do live with these chronic conditions and they do impact my stamina and my strength, it hasn't stopped me from having an active sex life. However, I do have to be very um, active in my in the way that I approach sexuality. I have to do things and I have to make sure everything is kind of in order before I have a sexual encounter. So before I have any sexual encounter, I have to check my body and see what's going on and do things in order for me to be comfortable, experience more pleasure, be more active and aware during the encounter for my partner, things like that. So it's almost like doing a flight check. You have to check these things that are going on before you have an encounter. But the great thing about this is is that you can sort of evaluate the situation and you can do things that are going to set you up for a more successful encounter. So for me, those things include things like I need to go to the bathroom before I have sex. I need to make sure I have not eaten anything before I had sex. Also, I tend to do better and feel better if the room is cooler. So if it means turning on a fan or kicking the air conditioning down a couple notches before I have sex. These are things that I can do before to kind of ensure that I feel better and have more strength. So my first bit of advice would be to to find out what those things are for you and make sure that as you're coming into a sexual encounter that you do as many of those things as you can to set yourself up to have a better experience. And so oftentimes I don't even know how much strength I'm going to have for a sexual encounter until I've done all of these checks. And sometimes I'll know right away that I'm good to go and there's really no limitations or sometimes I'm like, okay, maybe I've got half an hour. And sometimes, you know, I'll see what's going on with my body check in and I'll say, you know, babe, I am willing and I am enthusiastic, but I've got five minutes to give. That's what we have. So I think it's also very useful to have different options for having sex. And so my partner and I have sort of developed a language around this. We have nicknames for a quickie. We have nicknames for certain types of sex that we can use. And this sort of gives us a repertoire of options. And so one of the types of sex that we have, if I know that, you know, I'm only going to have the energy for about five minutes, is that my partner will stimulate himself up until the point that he knows he's going to have an orgasm. And then at that moment, he will jump in with penetrative sex or I will jump in with oral sex. And you can do this with either partner where the partner stimulates themselves and right when they're going to get off or orgasm, they tell you, okay, jump on in and then you can get that fuck in. You can get that that bang, that orgasm in and still have it connected and together but you have also saved some energy or made the, the fucking part of it, as, as I suppose you would call it, uh, not be as physically taxing. And so that's an option that we do use sometimes when I know that it just, you know, I only have a certain amount of time or energy to give. So building a language around that, it feels like it gives you more options. You're not just limiting yourself. You're giving yourself a repertoire of choices. And I found that that works really well. But ultimately, if you want to 
show effort and and what you said there about I don't want to be seen as lazy hits home very much for me because sometimes when I'm so tired and fatigued I'm in pain you know I'm just it's hard for me to initiate sex it's hard for me to act enthusiastic even though I want sex it's it's just hard for me to you know put all of that on the back burner put all of that aside to shine through while we're having sex and so in order to show your partner that you are enthusiastic you are willing you are putting forth effort is to make it about the experience. There are definitely things that you can do to set up an ambiance. Candles, music, if you can incorporate things like scents or tastes, if that's something you and your partner are able to do. The art of seduction, it goes a long way in showing effort, in showing these things before you even have the sexual encounter, leading up to that sexual encounter. You know, bring in a love note, bring in some dirty talk, something like that to really show that you have thought about this encounter, you're putting together this experience before you even begin. You know, ladies, we've got lingerie, but lingerie is not just for ladies. If it doesn't Um, wear you out too much, you know, dress up a little bit, show your partner that this is a presentation and that you're really putting forth the effort and the enthusiasm into that. The other thing that you can do is really, during your sexual encounter, you know, broaden your perspectives. There's so much we can learn from kink and BDSM. A lot of people have this misconception that BDSM or kink, it's just all about chains and whips and heavy, heavy pain and very physically taxing things, and it's not. There's a lot that can be gained from power control, from mindfuck scenes, from sensation play that don't incorporate a lot of effort. A blindfold and a couple props, like some ice cubes or a piece of lace, can go a long way for really revving your partner up, building that suspense, building that physical interaction with them and the partner that's topping or using those things on the other partner is not using a lot of energy or effort in order physically in order to do that another fun thing that you can do is you just you got to get creative um a scavenger hunt can be really fun and you can take turns um with your partner if your partner is really playful so like the first step that they have is maybe a card and on the back they can write something that really turns them on or something they would like to try and then the next station is going to be a sex toy and they have to use it on themselves for at least two minutes before they move on so then by the time they get to you they're already revved up they're already ready to go and maybe that physical time where you're having sexual intercourse won't maybe last as long but will still be really intense and you can take turns and you can play with it as long as you and your partner are having fun and communicating I mean the sky is the limit so these are just a few things that I would advise you to try have fun and you know get creative also another great resource for sex and disability is the hot octopus blog octopus is spelled with two s's o-c-t-o-p-u-s-s hotoctopus.com they are a sex toy company but their blog has a lot of great guest posts about sex and disability and different kind of things that you can do but don't be afraid to look into it this is definitely something that happens with a lot of people you are not alone and i encourage you to look into as much things as you possibly can at any rate i will hand it back over but that has been my advice i wish you all the best and i hope that you are really grateful and can share the pleasure and fun that you have with your partner sexually going forward. Once again, my name is Leandra Vane. You can find me on Twitter. I tweet at Leandra underscore Vane. You can check out my blog, theunlacedlibrarian.blogspot.com. Uh, my most recent book is a nonfiction 
sexuality memoir slash self-help book called Thinking Myself Off, Fetish, Fantasy, and My Erotic Imagination. And it's all about incorporating sexual fantasy and erotic media and fetishes and kinky thoughts into our lives. And I'm really proud of that book. So if you would like to, please check it out. But once again, that's who I am. And I wish you all the best going forward. And thank you again to Leandra for uh, for for sharing that insight on something Billy definitely knows nothing about. Oh gosh, just try to imagine what type of advice I would have given the guy. Uh, I don't know, dude. Like, drink some extra Gatorade. I don't know what to tell you. Thank uh, thanks again to Leandra Vane. Go check her out on the interwebs. And now it's time for a new segment we'll be doing every week on this show for the uh, for about the next six months or so. Very excited to be working with them. Hotmovies.com, sponsoring this podcast. Hey, no more, you know, annoying ad reads in the middle of your show, interrupting what was otherwise an awesome conversation, right? Cool. We're going to be doing this wonderful, fun segment called Did You Know? We're going to share some fun facts about the porn industry you may or may not have previously known. But first, I want to say thank you to HotMovies.com for uh, their generous sponsorship of the Man or Podcast. And I hope you all go and check out their site. Um, if you don't know what Hot Movies is, HotMovies.com is a pay-per-minute site where you buy a cluster of minutes and you just watch any of this porn. Like, they have just... You know how there's, like, a lot of porn on these, like, tube sites that we're not supposed to use? But then we go, uh, but that's where all the porn is. No, no, no. Hotmovies.com kind of seems to have all the porn. I have yet to not find something I wanted in their vast database of like hundreds of thousands of films. And to all my bi boy listeners, my gay babies, right? Or or my queer chicks or or people or whatever. Yeah, they got the queer stuff too. I just did a, I, I did a search for guy on guy stuff for research. And they had plenty of that, let me tell you, okay? But first, let's do a little bit of a did you know? Did you know that Jack Baker appeared in numerous 70s sitcoms like Good Times, MASH, and The Jeffersons? He was best known as the drummer Styx on Happy Days. In 1984, he crossed over to adult movies, appearing in classics like Marilyn Chambers' Private Fantasies, New Wave Hookers, and The Devil and Miss Jones, only volumes 3 and 4. Uh, he was a late addition, not volumes one and two. <laughs> uh, did you know Thora Birch, star of Hocus Pocus and American Beauty, is the daughter of Carol Connors and Jack Birch, two porn stars from the 1970s who both performed in Deep Throat and Candy Goes to Hollywood? You know, uh, you know, the acting kind of stayed in the family, so to speak. Did you know infamous B-movie director Ed Wood's last feature film was a hardcore adult movie called the Young Marrieds, released in 1972. Did you know? I, I didn't know that one. Did you know? According to studies, couples who watch porn together report feeling more committed and sexually satisfied than couples who watch porn alone. Now, I'm not too sure if that means uh, uh, couples who individually within the couple watch porn alone or couples who only watch porn amongst themselves. You know, and, you know, just to be safe, have a nice big party in your living room with a bunch of couples and you all watch the porn together. You know, just just to be safe there. And lastly, did you know it is also safer as studies also show that about 33 percent of Americans get injured during sex? Wait, what? 
I didn't know that. I didn't want to know that. Now I'm terrified to ever fuck again. But but I will be hashtag so brave and get over it. I, I will. I will figure out a way. <laughs> well, thank you, HotMovies.com, for all those fun facts. Oh, boy. And again, you can try out HotMovies.com for free with a 40-minute free trial when you sign up at HotMovies.com slash bonus and use the promo code MANHOR when you sign up. And speaking of watching porn ethically, this week's guest is pornographer, performance artist, writer. She's got a lot of hats that she wears. Madison Young is on the podcast. And and her films are also available on hotmovies.com. Had to throw that in there. Uh Madison Young is a just oh, just a gem of a human being who exists in this world. I saw her one woman show reveal all fear nothing over at the infamous Hacienda house several weeks ago. I was enamored. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I must speak to this woman." She's brilliant. She's so great. Uh, it, was a, it was a really cool show. And i so glad that she was able to make time while she was in town to chat with me. We talked about, you know, mainstream porn first, feminist porn, escape in Ohio, and why she removed anal fisting from her, uh, from her show. Personally, I think it's a good move. Maybe some of y'all disagree. I don't know. Let's go ahead and get to my conversation with the infamous Madison Young. Too much about that sound, but uh, I'm more. I'm usually more worried about volume because, like, I naturally am too loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, l- last night, I was just ca- I was staying over a partner's house, and I, I'm just casually talking in mm-hmm. what I think is a normal voice. Mm-hmm. And even like whether it's the first day at the bar or last night, just laying in bed mm-hmm. chatting, she's like, "You're talking really loud." <laughs> I was like, I, "This is you're projecting in the living room." <laughs> I was like, "I'm so sorry. I'm very used to per- performative voice." <laughs> Uh, but yours seems to be uh, quite fine. Yeah. Um, but I am here right now with Madison Young, a, uh, a Jill of all trades, it seems to be. I feel like, do, do you want to do your own rundown of titles? Oh, goodness. I'm I nervous sure I would can. miss one. Um, absolutely. I am a sex-positive Tasmanian devil. <laughs> um, I travel all around the world um, spreading love and sexual joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a certified sex educator and author of three books, um, a feminist pornographer who's directed 44 erotic films, um, a feminist porn star. I've performed in over 500 different films uh, and shoots. And uh, I'm also touring around the country doing my own one-woman show, mm-hmm. performer, performance artist. Yeah, I do a lot of different things. A lot of things. I sometimes ask um, some pe- you know, people like you or like Milka Halili, I'll be like, I don't want to miss one. And sometimes I'm nervous to be like, they're mm-hmm. going to be like, I'm also a midwife. So <laughs> you forgot the midwife thing. That's important. It's like, shit, uh, yeah. I thought I had it all. Um, but yeah, no, you do uh, it, it Reveal All uh, Fear Nothing is the one-woman show. Yes. I it saw is. it, what was it, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is so good. I actually Thank got two you. Madison Young showings in one in one month because of the the or the Craigslist show. Yes, that was a lot of fun too over at the Museum of Sex. Yeah, that was a that was a fantastic time. I accidentally watched one of your films. Okay. It's one of those things where you accidentally. go accidentally. Yeah, well, accidentally, <laughs> and like I went to I was on like uh, this website hotmovies.com. Uh-huh. They they sponsored the show, so I'm perusing, and I was like, oh, I I sometimes like some of the more feminist 
porn, like a like a Crash Pad series type thing, mm-hmm. uh, which you were uh, hilarious. you were great in uh, Super, Super Freak. Freak. Oh, that was so oh, fun! Such a memorable film. <laughs> One of those ones where I'm, I'm glad you brought your library card because I'm checking you out. It's that super freak is one of the the things where it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. I am for my purposes done after 15 minutes, but uh-huh. I'm sticking around. I'm watching the movie. I got uh-huh. some popcorn. I'm like, I want to see where this goes. Totally. That's. I feel like that's the whole point as an uh, erotic filmmaker is to make a compelling film that has that that really delves into sexuality, but that is a compelling film at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. And I, I like that whole genre for mm-hmm. a lot of the reasons you explained uh, in the show, just how like, you know, like we're enjoying it more. Like mm-hmm. a lot of these are sometimes more real orgasms and mm-hmm. things like that. So I click on uh, the real L word, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Why not? Uh-huh. And then <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Is that, is that mess? Is that mess and young? <laughs> Oh, what a, what a surprise. Uh, she's on the schedule, but okay, cool. This is going to be a thing now. I don't normally always watch the work of the porn people I chat with beforehand. Yeah. Uh, so fun times. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so so what, do you want to explain the – do you care to explain the difference between, say, mainstream porn and fem, feminist porn that, like you explained in the show? Sure. So feminist porn, um, it, it's it's a bit hard to completely – identify when you see it. However, there are a few major elements that that you find in most feminist porn, and that's authenticity. It's a documentation of authenticity. Mm-hmm. It, it also is a film that why f- different feminist porn looks different is because it's about the individual. It's not uh, about what the viewer wants to see. So um, for one individual, for them, what might be really hot is experiencing a blow bang with the people that they want to have a blow bang with and like while they're flying from a trapeze or whatever it is, mm. right? But it's their choice. It's like their fantasy. It's what they want to do with the people that they want to do it with, you know? So that's why it's really hot. Yeah. And so it's about that choice and it's about holding space for that choice. Um, in um, mainstream porn or what I sometimes call uh, fast food porn, fast food pornography, it's... it's <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it called that before. Yeah, uh, it's... <laughs> you know, about creating a product, you know, and getting it out there and selling it. So um, they're guessing at what the consumer might want to consume mm. and how they can shove as much of it down their throats as possible. And they really devalue it. And often it's sold for um, not very much money. And it's just maybe you're viewing only like 20 seconds of it. Clogs you your know? arteries, the usual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All of those things. Yeah. Um, and usually the practices, I mean, often the practices around it, um, as far as the labor are just not as feminist as well. So, um, sometimes in mainstream porn, you, you, you don't know who you're going to be performing with until you show up. Mm. or what kind of sex you might be having or what the script is or what you're going to be doing at all. So a lot of that choice and agency just isn't there um, and you're just kind of thrown into it um, and expected to do the very best that you can. And is that still how the industry is today? Um, yes, that's mm. still how the industry is today. Um, however, I, I feel like a lot of 
Um, mainstream porn has continued to decline as far as sales. Right. Um, and, um, that whole free thing everyone seems to be into. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, we see this in all medium, right? Like in, in music and in, in, um, non-porn film as well, especially in the music industry of, um, a lot of pirating of media, right? Right. Um, well, there's a lot of pirating of porn. Um, however, um, in doing this, now people just don't pay for mainstream porn. So, um, mainstream porn hasn't become, is become a less valuable industry. Um, and that's actually created more space for indie porn filmmakers and feminist porn makers and, um, trans, uh, filmmakers, queer porn. Um, and, those filmmakers are are making films that people want to view and kind of cultivating this new audience, like that couples yeah. want to watch together, that you want to see out at um, an erotic film festival, or um, you know, it's it's like people that wouldn't necessarily always be watching porn are now like, hey, I want to watch this because I really love films by Madison Young or by Shine Louise Houston yeah. or Jennifer Lyon Bell, you know? But how are they knowing to tap into that world? Like, are they, are you saying that by, through the pirating, the, the quality of those films goes down and because yes. the quality goes down, they're searching elsewhere? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they're searching elsewhere. Because that's how I got there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I feel like a lot of people are very dissatisfied and they're like, what is the terminology? What are the search, you know, what are the search terms for me to find what I actually want to find? Like, um, I want a blow bang scene, but I want to watch like a good blow bang scene. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that sometimes people, you know, there have been a handful of us, like I have done a lot of work in mainstream porn. And I think sometimes people find me in mainstream porn and then they search out other work I've done and they mm. find feminist porn and they're like, oh, and that leads them down this road. Um, and there have been other, um, like Tristan Terramino has done an mm. incredible job with um, working within the mainstream porn industry and creating really um, um, feminist ethical porn within the mainstream porn industry. How'd she do that? Um, by working with, you know, uh, she, well, originally, I think she was writing for, for Hustler. She's a sex educator and she, she pitched, um, uh, what was like the, oh, I think she first worked maybe for Evil Angel, like her first Directing? film. Directing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and then she worked for Vivid and she, she just kind of, came in with her own ideas and um her um her sex educator background and um feminist ethos and and was really good at pitching films and, mm. and made those connections and uh i think maybe one of the first ones she did for vivid was chemistry mm. which was really cool um it was like just putting porn stars in a house together. They were all still mainstream porn uh, performers. But the idea was that none of the porn performers are told um, that they need to have sex with each other. You know, like they can choose. The real world. Yeah, it was. It was sure. the real world for Maybe a little less, maybe a little less but more alcohol. Graphic. Yeah. Okay. More graphic, <laughs> less alcohol, I would hope. Less alcohol, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but they had their own cams too. So there was like, um, uh, there was a videographer, um, but the, 
the porn performers got to choose who they who were going to perform yeah. with. And there were extra scenes that happened and they, if they wanted to, they'd pick up the camera sure. and do different things. Um, so again, it was this shift, right? It was taking like the faces that people were familiar with. And even the same L.A. porn houses, like same. The same couch. Exactly. I'm convinced there's only three couches <laughs> in the porn industry. There's there's <laughs> definitely like some of the same porn houses that are, are circulated <laughs> around and around. You don't want to go in there with a black light. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but when the, the faces we're familiar with and. Exactly. But they changed the agency. You know, they gave the agency to the performers. They shifted that that um, the choice, which is what feminism all comes down to really is choice, mm -hmm. is, um, giving that choice back to the performers. So it sounds like, you know, in, in mainstream porn, they'll be like, okay, we, we're, whether it's director, producer, whoever, like, they're like, we're going to do a blow bang scene. And then we're just going to go find people to plug into this scene I've decided is happening. Exactly. And, and it becomes more of demographics of like, okay, we need an 18-year-old girl. She needs to be blonde. She should be uh, a size D cup. Um, she should be around five foot four. Mm. Um, she needs to be cool, double anal, you know, whatever. Like th those are the things they're looking at rather than being like, okay, I really want to work with this performer because I think they're super interesting and I, um, and I like their, their politics and their sure. ethos. Why don't I reach out to them and see if they'd be interested in being in this film and see what kind of scene they might be interested in doing. And then you, you know, so whether or not you, Madison Young, want to like shoot a blow bang scene is irrelevant. Right. Mo sounds like most of the time. It sounds more like, I, I mean, I hope, uh, I hope they say blow bang, but like, let's do what they want to do. Right, exactly. That seems that seems fun. And then and do you notice genuinely like um I mean look, I don't I don't know how to look at act I don't know a lot of us are always looking at the acting sometimes. Sometimes we get a little lost in whatever we're doing here mm -hmm. with our lubes. Mm -hmm. But you know, do you notice like a, a genuine difference like in the in their faces when they're doing the mainstream scene versus like a scene they wanted to do? Absolutely. I mean I, I think that now I mean I I I Binaries suck, you know, just sure. like, <laughs> I, and I think that, I think the idea of always doing like f feminist porn versus mainstream porn can be problematic, you know, in the same way that any binary kind of conversation can. So you're not trying to be like, oh, this is our team versus them. Right, okay. exactly. Because I mean, I've performed in mainstream porn and I've definitely had lots of orgasms, but I think like, as, as I said in the, in the performance piece or in my play mm. that, you know, I had to really strongly come into mainstream porn with my own feminist ethos and be like, no, I'm having a real orgasm. Mm. And this is, I'm going to aggressively um, communicate to you what to do to my body or I will do it so that I'm having an enjoyable time. Um, and uh, in feminist porn, it's like, you're, you know, you're creating, facilitating that, that space that, that helps someone along in having awesome sex, you know, rather than, oh, I'm okay. I'm in this really, really difficult kind of space that's not comfortable, but I'm still going to have as great of a time as I possibly can. Um, and like I said, there are awesome, awesome people like, Tristan Taramino and even the whole the whole Vivid Alt movement as well that came out. Of What's a Vivid Alt? 
Um, Vivid Alt was... Um, As a comedian, I don't react well to the alt word because when you just think alt comedy, someone with a banjo juggling, I'm just oh. like, Ay. No, um, no, it was more like alternative culture. Mm. Um, and so it was uh, Ian McKay um, came into Vivid and was like, hey, why don't we have more emo looking kids and indie looking kids and raver looking kids and punk looking kids like having sex on yeah. film um and, and someone said hey punks don't have sex what are you talking about come <laughs> on the goth kids are too sad no, really okay fine they don't have money for porn yeah no, <laughs> too busy spending on black nail polish but yeah um so he created you know he brought in all of these performers that were more representative of of those cultures and um and really gave a voice to a different kind of porn as well through Vivid, um, which I, I think was uh, – and a lot of really amazing pornographers came out of that. Um, also, Dana Diarmond had some incredible films that came out of uh, Vivid Alt. Mm. Um, and uh, Kimberly Kane, also some brilliant, like, art house kind of wacky – awesome beautiful sexy films that that came out of um uh vivid alt yeah yeah and and so where'd your like relationship with porn come from in the first place like what were you watching as a, as a kid i also don't know yeah. what to say what you were watching on because you're one of those like ambiguously aged looking people <laughs> right i yeah. know you're one of those i'm on like the cusp <laughs> of i i can still write as a millennial but i'm like I'm not quite a millennial. I'm a little bit older than millennial. Yeah, you, you can be cast in a wide range of uh, of roles. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I I did not grow up with the internet, so okay. um, I I was I was more of a magazine girl. So um, Penthouse was probably mm -hmm. one of my first um, going into the porn store and being very shy, asking. For Penthouse magazine, you went into the store. Mm -hmm. Oh my! So, yeah. so like you weren't getting porn until you were like an adult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not like as a kid. Yeah. No, not as a kid. I definitely grew up in a, a very like sexually repressive, sex negative hey. kind of Southern Ohio. Right, Ohio. Not Ohio. not super sex positive there. Um, so part of what motivated me to do the work that I do is to create that safe space for people to mm. um, express who they are as sexual beings and their sexual identity and to not feel alone in the world um, because I felt really alone in the world. Um, and I was told by everyone around me that my body and sex and sexuality were all very shameful um, I got told by Facebook last week your body was <laughs> That is very true. Some things, I mean, the the fight continues. I got banned for four days on Facebook. The fight <laughs> continues, definitely. Okay, so this one... You cost me four days of not oh. having arguments on the internet. How dare you, Massignon? Oh, I'm sorry. I, you know, it's hard for me too. And I, I was posting actually on, on Instagram and um, I, I was being very careful to crop out my nipple yeah. Um. And I posted the image, and then all of a sudden, after I posted it, I realized that my pussy is right there. Uh, and I didn't even notice because I was so concerned about the nipple <laughs> that I didn't even notice that my pussy is like there. The um, way they treat nipples, though, you'd think that they actually do find this to be more outrageous. It's so, I, so I, I weird. Immediately, I was like, "Oh no! Oh no! I have." 
have to like re-edit here. Let me see. Let's take that down. Um, I had with Instagram. I, I, I sure. Do you mind me showing you a vaguely graphic photo? Oh, no, it's not of me. Um, so I had this uh, this woman Jay Taylor on the podcast, uh-huh. uh, which it's very interesting. You say like uh, when you like talk to someone you want to work with, you're like interested in their politics because mm. you know I got thrown a political loop after. I had recorded with her where I was like, oh, man, this is, uh, you know, a conflict. I found out she's a, tr- a hardened Trump supporter. Oh. My, I'm like, my, my fingers have already been inside her. I feel like I'm, I'm done. It's too late. I can't change my mind on her. Uh, that's so weird. Normally, that's a deal breaker for uh-huh. me beforehand. I've right. been on two first dates with Trump voters uh-huh. in the last year. Uh-huh. Don't know how oh that happens. Gosh. Right. Wow. Um, so we do this thing. So we're doing a, 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 a during the episode, she's trying to describe like fingering techniques. Uh-huh. And she just is, she seems frustrated with like ha- trying to figure out the wording. So she just goes, like, can, can I just show you my pussy? And I'm like, of course you can. Uh, and then says, do you mind putting your fingers inside me? I'm like, Gosh, let me think about this one. Hold on for a moment. Porn performer wants me to finger her. I don't know. Can I po- can I phone a friend? Let me put out a Twitter poll. So we do this, and she's just like showing me like how to like rubber clit or whatever. Uh-huh. And I obviously want to. I'm thinking like, okay, this is like a fun image to entice people to get to listen to the podcast. Uh-huh. So I put like some sort of like big heart over this uh-huh. over her pussy because that is the offensive part. Besides my bald spot, that's the offensive part of the photo. <laughs> And I'm like, cool, this is going to be fine. Uh-huh. Instagram takes it down. What? Says it's offensive. Yeah. Okay, fine. I then put a full black bar uh, covering like, you know, maybe it's an eighth of the height of the image, uh-huh. but it goes across the whole image that also blacks out her mm-hmm. pussy. That one got taken down. The one that got approved was it's it's from our heads down is all black. Uh-huh. And then we can only see our faces or back of my head and her face. Oh, my god! That one made it. But I was nervous they would take that down, too. Oh, my goodness. And that was just me for one photo one time. Like, this happens yeah. to me once every six months. This is your daily occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> Fighting such a censorship. Yes. It it can be difficult finding uh, finding the images that are, are approved by Facebook and Instagram. Luckily, Twitter... Doesn't give a fuck. They're like, give us your titties. Yeah, give us your titties. I love my Twitter. Me yes. too. Twitter, don't take <laughs> me away. I know you occasionally shadow ban people. It's kind of shitty. But still, yeah. you know, at least you let me put my nudity up there. Very true. Uh, like, what's what's even on your Instagram? Just like you shopping? Like, I don't know what's left that you can even safely post. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like I do so many selfies. It's like, I'm on, on my way to do something really kinky. This is my face looking happy. Or I don't know. I mean, I do have some of my images and I've, I've just gotten really good. I do have like an app that does like the hearts and things. I had to find that, you know, and um, uh, so that I can try to cover, cover nipples mm-hmm. and I've gotten really creative with, with cropping. Um, <laughs> and I mean, and there are certain scenes in the show where I'm clothed. So <laughs> there's a few, there's yeah. limited, but there's some, there's some. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just being creative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like since so much of your life, I mean, again, what, what am I saying so much of your life? I don't fucking know. I don't know what you do in your daily day to day. I never wear clothing. I'm naked all the time. I don't know. I don't want to assume like, yeah, all your whole day <laughs> is just fucking and shooting porn and this, that and kinky stuff. But like, you know, do you feel like part of that is like censoring your life? 
that you can't share certain these these things that like you are it's not like oh that you can't share your kinky sex but you're an accountant but like that this is something that is like you're so proud and out and trying to teach people about and show off to the world yeah you know i mean i so how i try to think of it i mean it would be awesome if we could show everything in all spaces definitely but i try to think of like the different social media platforms as kind of personalities and you know as as a sex educator and as a presenter and someone who talks about sex and sexuality and smashing sexual stigma, I've um, had to learn how to speak with with everyone, including Trump supporters. Like, yeah. you know, um, can, can everyone from my mother to someone who is highly, highly liberal um, yeah. about sex and porn and, you know, how do we talk about these things? So um, – and so I, I try to think about the platforms like that, too, of, you know, on Facebook, it's more like I'm talking about sexuality to my mother, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm not going to be posting my porn images on there. Instead, I'm posting my images of me talking at Yale, you know, and <laughs> um, or speaking engagements or, you know, images That's that are a little bit. That's your corporate look yeah, is, the, is the, know, the Facebook page. More, a little bit more educational, uh -huh. you know, like the the behind it of like what's the some of the politics and some of the um like politically why am i passionate about this why does it matter how are we all connected you know talking about those things and then having a compelling image but you know going a little deeper and you can post more words so it's different um and then i mean twitter is just like you're at a bar and you're getting down and dirty and you're like up on the bar and you're like, okay, let me show you my G spot. This is how we do it. You know, you can, you, you pretty much anything goes, right? right. It's a different, I'm like <laughs> spreading, spreading my legs for the mic here. Um, and then Instagram is like kind of somewhere in between, like a friend, but maybe a friend that definitely is not in the industry or like part of the community, but mm. is really curious and wants to maybe learn more. So you're like showing them a little bit and you're like, okay, well, let me show you something, but it won't be scary. And I'm, I'm going to be, you know, careful with you and we'll still be educational, but maybe a little tantalizing yeah. too. So just thinking about them as different personalities. Yeah. Well, you do seem to want to just show your G spot to the world. Oh my, that was a that one was a surprise in the show. Is that a spoiler to tell people that that's in no, the show, or do you feel like that's part it. of the advertisement? I, I think that is definitely you know it's a powerful experience for people, definitely in seeing a woman's G spot, and it's um. So the show is a modern adaptation of Annie Sprinkles. Just gonna feel like that was a natural comeback in, right? <laughs> I didn't walk out in the middle of the thing. No. <laughs> Um, so post-porn <laughs> <laughs> reveal all fear nothing is a modern adaptation of Annie Sprinkle's post-porn modernist, which Annie Sprinkle was a legendary porn star in the 70s, 80s, into the 90s. And now she's in California married to a tree. No, um, <laughs> she's, she's married wonderful. to many different elements of the earth, as well as, uh, Beth Stevens, an incredible, uh, professor and artist yeah. at UC Santa Cruz. Um, and Annie is like my mama. And so we wrote wrote Reveal All Fear Nothing together. Oh. And each of the pieces, in fact, the opening monologue is exactly the same that Annie used um, 27 years ago. Um, so I, okay, I was kind of born. I was, a, I, was a, <laughs> I was a little bit born. Yeah, great, cool. 
um, and um, and and then the uh, the ritual at the end is the same music and and uh, very similar ritual, the um, sex magic ritual, yeah. and then she did the public cervix announcement. <laughs> In which she did um, inserted the speculum and invited people up to the stage to see her cervix. So I simply turned it to the side and do, gee, what's that? And in the state of sex education, even a guy who uh, for the last four years has been talking about this uh, still was, when you said turned it to the side, I'm like, oh, is that how that one works? I didn't... <laughs> Didn't I thought you just opened that thing up. There's only one way to, to put it in. I thought, oh, if you look in the right ways, you'll see all of it. Nope, uh -huh. didn't know. Yeah. Wait, so you turn it to the side, you see one thing versus the other? Yeah, well, I'm gonna if expose you can imagine, my ignorance today. I mean, they're not going to see this, but sure. if we're inserting the speculum, right, right, and we're going this way, like there's two little... Like a mouthy like, mouth. Yeah, a mouthy yeah. thing, yeah. And if it's going that way, where there's one towards the top and one towards the bottom, then and it opens, right, what is it doing to the G-spot? Oh, it's hiding. Oh, it's hiding the G spot. Billy's learning a thing. Yeah. Now this is making sense. See, but you can see the very back. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Which is where the cervix is. Right. Yeah. But when it's to the side, then the it side, can drop down. Exactly. Okay. This is how embarrassed I was during the show. I was like, I knew where I know. Look, I know where the G spot is. Mm -hmm. However, I did not know it like engorged and like could be was down like that. Yeah. Uh, it um umbrellas down from the ceiling of the vagina. That Yeah, and then you just had everyone get in line and we just walked by and took a look. Yeah. So when it's big like that, you know, I mean, it's going to be blocking the cervix, right? So you're yeah. going to see the, the G-spot, but not really see the, the cervix that's back here. So yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was eye opening. It was all sorts of things opening. It was, uh, it was great. It was, yeah. it was also fun for me personally. It was just that, um, because Maggie Gyllenhaal was uh -huh. there, right? I don't know if that's the first Oscar nominated person you've, <laughs> you've, uh, per performed for. But she was three seats for me. Mm -hmm. So at times in the show, it was kind of fun. Like I was watching Maggie watch you because uh -huh. I'm just like, I'm curious to see what these reactions are going to be. Uh -huh. I know. <laughs> I was trying the whole time like not to do the entire show directly just to her. I was like, I am not going to pretend like you were there. I'm going to keep my eyes on Barbara and Kate over here because Kate Bornstein and uh, Kate Bornstein and um, and Barbara Corellis were both there as well mm -hmm. and they're amazing kate, she looks like such a badass yeah well kate is um also has a show coming up on broadway like this mm. this next month um in june and is just an incredible activist and um performer and and yeah and uh and barbara corellis is uh, well she directed post-porn modernist um way back when yeah, yeah. So do you yeah. still get nervous? So is this your first like one woman show? Or do you normally do performative things that don't aren't so explicitly pornographic or? Um, so this is my, it's my first one woman show. Mm -hmm. Um, but we've been touring it for two years. So this was um our, we've done twenty performances mm -hmm. now, um of reveal all fear nothing, and um have been touring it to different cities. Right. But I also do performance art so a lot of the performance art that i do is just um doesn't involve so many lights and sound and tech instead it's um, much more basic and usually happens at museums and galleries um, versus uh theaters right 
Well, do you get, do you still get nervous like in front of anyone? Like, does it take it to be a celebrity for you to get <laughs> nervous or like, are there people you still get some nerves for before doing something that's so intense because the show is so intense and there's so many emotions you have to tap into during it. it was, yeah. It's like very impressive. And then, uh, you know, I don't know, like people still ask me if I get nervous. I'm like, I don't know. Depends I mean, who's in the audience. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think someone, someone once told me that, um, being nervous and excited are basically the same thing. Mm. Um, so I like to think of it as getting really excited before a show, you know, cause there's really right. like, um, physiologically not a lot that's different between excitement and being nervous. Mm. Um, so if you shift your perception to it being excited, um, so I try to use that energy, um, and, uh, and have different calming rituals that I, that I do. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like every night before I do the show, um, that it's like being at the top of a roller coaster. But once you start, it's like there's no one else out there. It's yeah. me <laughs> and two hours <laughs> and an audience. Um, and, um, my director told me, um, after I'd done the, the show f- for a while, I was like, you know, oh, I feel like I'm doing the, the piece, but, you know, I'm having a hard time, like, keeping it fresh for me. And, um, she said to think about it as a, a conversation with the audience. And I think that yeah. really, really helped me so much of, and and not feeling alone up there, um, of not just like, hey, listen to me, I'm sharing all this stuff, but instead like, um, reacting to the audience, like you know, if someone's laughing, be like, yeah, yeah. that is really funny, isn't it? Like, uh, oh my god, isn't that a great name? Yeah, barely <laughs> clean. It's fucking <laughs> hilarious. Like, I can't believe we came up with that, you know. But like, it being a conversation with the audience. Um, so I think that really helps too. And if I feel nervous at all, I try to, it's a very physical play. And I think that when you're mm. doing something very physical, that a lot of the nervous energy or excitement energy just kind of goes in your body um, and energizes your body. You know what I mean? Well, the masturbation portions of the show probably help with that <laughs> at least a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a physical it's a really physical show. So that <laughs> That's that a way really to say helps. it, really physical. I like it. <laughs> it is. I mean like, you know, with the with the tough parts and with the joyous parts. It's like I'm dancing across the stage with dildos and I'm thrashing as I'm hearing, you know, slanderous things mm. called out to me and I'm opening my legs and inviting people in and having sex magic rituals. And, you know, there's a, it is, it's a, a, a very physical show. And I usually, I've experienced cuts, bruises, like I, there's a lot of, it's a physical show. Well, you say cuts and you brought out that knife and I was like, please, no, please don't say you're going to do, nah, no one said there was going to be blood play during this What? I was very relieved that that didn't happen, but yeah. I was very nervous. It's a very, very dull. I mean, I mean, it's, it's like 30 years. Well, I thought it was going to be like an sharpened. on purpose, like part of the show. Yeah. Like, no, she said no bl- no ritual. I was like, yeah. oh no. <laughs> but, but the, you do tap into some serious things mm. there and, and you, what, what is it like to, tap into old trauma Mm -hmm. for entertainment purposes on a stage night in and night out. Like I saw Hamilton and they came out and they said Javier Munoz, the guys, you know, because everyone's waiting outside and we want to get the playbill signed. And they do come out and say like, hey, Javier's not coming out because you have to think like he has to 
um, have his son die and then die himself every day, yeah. twice a day. So he just can't for his process. He needs to not be fl- inundated with people. He needs to be able right. to like go to his space. Yeah. And and so what is that like to tap into just real? That was he's playing a character. You're tapping into your real life shit. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard. And I mean i I think that it's. <laughs> It could be easy enough for me to like just not hear it and let it to like float into the background, but it's like for the performance and for the art of it and to like fully share it, like I can't. I have to like feel and hear those words in my body and mm-hmm. go to those places. And, um, but I mean, I know that I come out the other side of it, you know, and I think that that's the, the beauty of it, you know, if none of our lives are perfect. None of us go through life without scars, without getting banged around. If not, we're simply not living. You know, yeah. we haven't fully put ourselves out there if we haven't gotten hurt. Um, and I think that that's one of the powerful things about this show is that it shows a, a humanity and uh, a complexity of, um, that connects all of us, you know, that, that, all of us have have challenges. All of us have have heard things that have hurt us, and we process that pain, and we get to the other side of it. Um, and I think that's the important thing. That's uh, that's wonderful. And then, and you know, your uh, I, th- I forget if it's the producer or the stage manager who said warned us like, "Hey, she's gonna come out doing Q and A, but she needs yeah, some time." Yeah. She's like, afterwards, she, she just needs like five ten minutes, and you'll see why. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, something's going to go <laughs> not happy during this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I, hmm. I I try not to rush it and to take the amount of time that I need to. And I, I know that I still just because I want to get back and connect with the audience, I um I probably rush it a little bit more than I mm-hmm. should even. Um, but what's I, that? What's it look like when you go outside into, uh, you know, so we were at the Hacienda Villa, we're downstairs, you go outside, where's this like, you know, there's a fire pit and there's this, um, you're, you're outside in this back patio. Like, what's that scene look like where it's just you outside there after the show? Um, what, what does the scene look like? No, I mean like, well, like if there was a camera mm-hmm. out there, like what are we, like what would we see you mm-hmm. coming down from what was a very intense performance? Um, <laughs> well, I think it's, it's, it's like this mixture of high adrenaline and, uh, a heart that's very full of gratitude, um, and being very, very open and undone you know i mean i think for people that um have ex- well if you've experienced incredible sex you know where you're just completely undone at the end or um or in bdsm um where you're just completely spent in a puddle on the ground um but full of of love and warmth but maybe not super articulate. Sometimes yeah. the Q and A's can be a little challenging yeah. <laughs> afterwards because I don't always feel super articulate. I always tell people in porn not to do the Q and A's and interviews after the sex because if it was good sex, then they're not going yeah. to be as articulate. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, what was the do thing it before the scene? Yeah, <laughs> yes. 
good like <laughs> so, totally what was the question right. i don't know i'm still coming right now yeah. i don't know how to handle this yeah so i mean it is a big art gasm it's an emotional gasm right it's this release of 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 art and emotion yeah and so you live out in in san francisco right so or I'm in that currently living in portland however oh, we're, okay. we're working to get our way back to san francisco okay well mm -hmm. it, it's interesting to say you're working your way to get back in because what i've been starting to hear is a lot of the people in your world have been having to leave yeah even well, the oakland we did. peeps we, we yeah. had to leave um we've been in portland about a year but mm. i really really miss the bay area a lot um i feel like it and it is where my my mama sprinkle and mama stevens live so um i love i want to have a little house in berkeley it's yeah. my it's my dream so working towards making that happen well it's this like wonderful like um just like sex positive queer feminist region of the country and from what I'm getting told, it's like people can't like the, the some of the people the foundations of that can't afford to live there anymore. Yes, exactly. That I mean, that's we were pushed out because of that, um, and it's yeah, it's it really is. It's 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 unfortunate, but I really hope that that pendulum swings back and changes because it is just such a magical place, and um, I really hope that it uh, doesn't lose all of its magic. Do you fear like it could? lose the magic if all these people who made it so magical can't stay there and keep spreading glitter everywhere they go i mean i th i think some of some of that has definitely been happening for like the last five years i've mm -hmm. seen it continue to to happen um but i mean i think that everything changes and i don't know i i feel like san francisco is the kind of city and the bay area is like the city that's like been burnt to the ground like numerous times and rebuilt and it's always like the the queers and the outsiders that come back and rebuild it you know mm -hmm. um and uh did that happen once in your lifetime already or an hour well, <laughs> not to like shove you out of my bracket um, um well there was the the when i moved there in 2000 it was the end of the dot-com boom like the first dot-com uh -huh. boom and so it, there had been this big influx and people had moved out and prices were still quite high but then things leveled off and um and uh it continued yeah. to flourish but then uh, probably about about 2010 a lot of um the uh queer arts organizations including feminipotens um simply couldn't afford spaces there any longer yeah it, and uh it's, it's just so odd because like here in new york city like we have these like i won't say like the exact same type of neighborhoods but like you know for example like the the village was the village and the village started kind of going down over like the williamsburg and the mm -hmm. williamsburg is now kind of in but here it's like when when this happens to an area, we just move further down the train. Yeah. Like we just go to more, like this. It's, it's more spread out yeah. here. It's larger. You know, I mean, San Francisco is only seven by seven. You know, it's like seven miles by seven yeah. miles. It's not that. You, you guys huge. get pushed out, pushed out. You have to go to a whole new city. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> Portland doesn't feel like home to me. I, I it's great. I don't want to. <laughs> It's fine. I love I love you, Portland. No, no, I, I, I'm not saying anything. Yeah, no, I we hear great things. You know, there's lots of flannel. I hear people are nice. Uh, it's kind of weird because I can't tell like who's camping and who's homeless. But like, hey, you do you, boo boo. You know, um, but you know, there there is definitely a different magic to San Francisco yeah. that I've 
yeah. in the limited times I've been I fortunate love to be enough near to go. the ocean yeah. too. And I can't, you know, New York is probably like my second favorite city in the world, but we'll take it. Uh, we'll take it. <laughs> But I can't deal with the winners, you know, like my, I, yeah, I'm too much of a baby around that. I, when you went in 2000, was that, uh, did you go to LA first for porn and then San Francisco or? No, I was, I was moving from the Midwest. And what the fuck was that like? The because I, I grew up in North Jersey, uh-huh. went to boarding school in Connecticut. <laughs> and then I came here, I came to New York City at 18 and never left. But I was also, yeah. I grew up over at the, on the 40 minutes from Times Square. Uh-huh. I do not know what it's like to live in a place like Ohio, yeah. which I have driven through and, and gone gas at uh, many times. Yeah. But I don't know what the fuck that's like. And then yeah. going to San Francisco. Yeah. Spe- especially as like a young queer woman. Oh, to my gosh. Do so. I mean, it was it was super magical. It was so amazing. I mean, oh, I, and I mean, in Ohio, there was just a lot of isolation. It was growing up around people um, that. I didn't see who I am reflected around me at all. And mm. I didn't even know who I was, but I knew that I was different from the people around me. And um, I was very attracted to the arts. And um, I made a deal with my parents that if I got uh, straight A's my freshman and sophomore year, that they'd allow me to audition for SCPA, the School for Creative and Performing Arts in downtown Cincinnati. And so I did. I had a 4.0, my first two years of high school. And so they were forced to let me go audition in the big bad city of Cincinnati. Forced. It's like, (laughs) oh, no, we're parents. We can break promises to our kids. Uh, We didn't think it would happen. Uh, (laughs) Oops. That would have been really shitty. Shitty? That would have been me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would have been horrible. (laughs) Um, But I auditioned, got in, and um, – and I went to school there my junior and senior year, which was amazing. And with my friends there in my senior year, after graduating senior year, um, we took a trip to San Francisco. Huh? And it was with um, three other kids that were a little bit younger than me. I was 17. There was a 16, 15, and 14-year-old. And um, we were all queer. That's a that's a movie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> bunch of teenagers just heading out of Ohio, driving on out to San Francisco. What wacky adventures well, will they get up to? The fourteen and fifteen year old, their dad had business there, and so our, me and my other friend, our parents felt like it was safe enough because there was a parent kind of there you just sound like a just a wonderful ragtag group of misfits so type like just like they recruit each other walking down the train tracks (laughs) yeah so i mean we got there and i mean it was we just started to cry when we walked into the you know we walked to the got off the the muni at the castro and saw the huge gay pride flag the biggest gay pride flag we've ever seen billowing in the wind yeah. you know and then not just that one flag like everywhere in the castro up and down the streets gay pride flags and it wasn't even gay pride month <laughs> it was just like all the time yeah. and um and we and everyone uh, it, it was amazing to see um, same-sex couples walking down the street and kissing and holding hands and just having normal lives. Um, and we were like, this could be us. Like, you know, we don't have to be alone. There's nothing wrong with us. And 
Um, and I knew that I wanted to be there. And then I opened my art gallery just a couple blocks from that, that very spot. That's beautiful. Yeah. But, but is that, are those, is that a real conversation that happens when you, when you, when you look at each other and go like, Oh, we, this can be us. Or is that an internal dialogue in your head? I think we more just had our, our jaws dropped to the ground and we, we sat at a diner right there called the, called Orphan Andes. And mm-hmm. we couldn't get into any of the bars. We had horrible fake IDs <laughs> that we got and we attempted to get into the gay bars, but we, it, that did not work at all. I was the oldest and I looked the youngest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so we sat at the cafe and we just ate fries and, and just looked at all the couples, you mm-hmm. know, we just looked at all the individuals and, um, people watched. Oh, the very, well, in San Francisco, that is quite the city for people watching. That yes. is, I think the Olympics of people watching are in San Francisco. There is a wide array of, people out there yes definitely and you can be anyone you want to be yeah i mean that's why that's why i came to new york or that's why i stayed or came to new york yeah. that's what got me here i've always been like a weird misfit um mm-hmm. i've always been you know different and loner and yeah I, I like i identify with the young queer kid in ohio mm-hmm. who doesn't have anyone else around him because like that's how i felt even though that's mm-hmm. not what i was mm-hmm. so um you know similarly i walked i came to village to go tour nyu and it was like right. there's an energy here yeah and it's like you i can start over here like this yeah. is where the good things are and i don't know i think that's always just a beautiful moment like for an 18 year old to just escape absolutely yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it was that <laughs> i was definitely ready to leave well that's that's just wonderful that's beautiful what time for the fan whore appreciation moment all right this is the part of the podcast where I like to thank a few of the members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Y'all are the people literally keeping my lights on, so thank you oh so very much for it. Thank you for showing your support, not just with your downloads, but with your dollar signs. Shout out to Bethany Arneson. Glad you're enjoying the Man Whore Podcast condoms. Between you and me, you're getting, uh, you, you're, you've got one of the last few ones I don't got many left of those. I've had those like for four years. Thank you for your support. Leslie Ramirez, tell your hubby happy birthday from the man whore boy. And uh, finally, a big thank you to Peyton Naquin, Naquin, Nakin, Nakin. I, I, you know, Q-U's in last names, quite confusing. Um, I I hope I didn't butcher it. I just want to give you a little bit of, uh, who that? Uh, who that? Uh, Who'd I say they love the Man Whore Podcast? Thank you, buddy, for your membership. Much appreciated. And you, too, can become a member of our Fan Whore community for as little as $1 per month. That dollar gets you access to private Fan Whore communities on Facebook, gets you access to exclusive bonus episodes of the Man Whore Podcast, gets you a shout-out here on the show, and oh so much more. All you got to do is head on over to patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. It's a great way to support the show you love listening to every week. Uh, it's a great way to, you know, uh, keep the internet bill paid. Now let's go ahead and wrap up with Madison Young. What are, what are you excited for next? I know you're still touring the show, but what's... What's something you haven't got? Is there a person you haven't shot with you want to shoot with? Is there a scene, magical scene in your head you still haven't gotten to do? Is there um, 
you know, is, is there a book that's not yet written? Like, mm. what's on the horizon? Yeah, well, we definitely want to bring the show to uh, more exciting and larger theaters. Um, it's it's going to L.A. in October, so mm-hmm. we're excited about that. Um, and I think that we're doing a, a month-long run in uh, L.A. in February. And we're currently talking with a producer about bringing it to Germany, to the German audience, which will be really awesome. Oh, the Germans will love that whole G-spot looking I thing. I know. They're, yeah. They'll leave me like, you know, there wasn't as much shit in the uh, show as I would have preferred, <laughs> but, you know, like a, otherwise a good show. Well, you know, it actually <laughs> used to have a scene called anal awareness no. instead of uh, the G-spot scene. And that involved... A talking anus and me fisting my anus and releasing a milk enema into a bowl. But usually there was not shit in it. Wait, we're going to have to back up several steps here. Because one, I first thought you were talking about like Annie Sprinkles version. No. Okay, cool. Uh, let's, let's continue to rewind. There was an anal fisting version uh, a, a scene in the show, you're saying, mm-hmm. in, in, in place of the G-spot part. Yeah. And then we all just like, you know, the supplies are starting to just, it's overhead we don't need or. (laughs) Well, it became, um, at first, the G-spot scene was like the alternate. It was like, if my tummy is feeling icky and I've done it too many times, then like, it's like, oh, I'm not, you know, I've like, I've cleaned out like for so long. It just is not fully clean. I'm not feeling 100% on doing this on stage. And, but then it became like, I I started getting nervous about it of like okay well well we it would always happen during the intermission um because as you know like the G spot scene happens right, right as I get back from intermission so we had to have a pretty long intermission for me to go and do all of the the cleaning out and the I do it before the show but then you know douching as well okay. um during the intermission however it became just too much of like a roll of the dice like okay is it gonna be petunia or is it gonna be anus is it gonna be well you didn't nickname the anus you didn't oh i just called it anus just call it anus yeah Yeah. (laughs) hello anus hello madison so the so the scene was so was someone else fisting no i was i was fisting myself one that's impressive i don't know if i physically can i feel like the reach is alone a thing that is difficult Involves. Do you mind if I? <laughs> sure. So okay. You gotta. You put one foot up, and then look how close we are. It's right there. Right, but that's such an awkward curve Not really. to get the whole. I feel like to get the fist in. It just goes right in. Okay. <laughs> and then you would fist yourself, and I think then the most important question most people listening might be asking is, um, why? <laughs> why, why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, that part is supposed to be like an educational element in which we're learning about a different part of the body. So with okay. this one, we're learning about consent and the anus. So there was a conversation with the anus of, hi, anus, how are you doing tonight? May I touch you? How are you feeling? Um, would you like for me to stick my hand inside you? You would. Okay, great. Um Oh, oh, Madison, I'm feeling so thirsty. Do you have anything for you? Yes, I happen to have a bottle right here for you. Oh, I'm just going to drink it all up, Madison. Oh, gulp, 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 gulp. Oh, please burp me, Madison. No! <laughs> oh, 
was waiting. And then out comes the milk. Uh, I, and yeah. out, the milk. Yes. yes. I'm sure that's what. I'm... I know. I'm from Ohio. It's milk instead of mil- milk. Milk? Uh, Do you say I, milk I, or I say, milk? I say milk. I don't milk. know. But. I'm we- I've never look. I'm weird. Don't take my word for I, it. I know I do. Like with the Midwest <laughs> thing, I do. So many of the eyes turn to like soft e's. You know uh-huh. the milk. Oh yeah. my! And so, how long ago did it take for you to make what I think is uh, the right choice is to, to take that out of the show? <laughs> oh, no you, offense. You would not like that. I think I would have just been like, okay. I think it like the knife. I would have been nervous the whole time. Mm, like yeah. I'm like, there's a knife out. There's a okay. We're doing a fisting. All right. I've I've seen this at parties, but you know, I don't know how this is gonna go. Right. Oh no, we're putting an enema in. Uh, surely they're not gonna empty it out. Oh, she's gonna empty it out here. <laughs> All right, cool. I'm just gonna be. It's gonna be. It's it, it would be like that. The the first, the, there was a party at Hacienda that was medical play themed, uh-huh. and I'm sure if I had seen you do that scene during your show, it would have been like that party night where everything I saw happen, I had to be like, all right, that's happening. It's cool. It's fine. Like, you're fine with it, and like, it's totally fine if they want to do that, but like, you know, you're a little uncomfortable, and you're just going to own, you're just going to sit in it, you know? Like, uh-huh. I watched I watched a man uh, get his scrotum injected with saline yeah. so that they blew up to be about this right. big. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which to me, the uh, the offensive part to me was that he walked around the party that night like he didn't have giant balls. <laughs> Don't do that. Like, uh, we just stop it. Don't act like everything's normal, okay? <laughs> or like I watched like a gender confirmation scene, which I'm sure was like wonderful and validating for her. However, oh. for me, I saw I saw a scrotum, I saw blood, and I had to leave out the room. I was like, no, Billy, but it's okay. You know, keep your cool, keep uh-huh. your shit, be respectful. Uh-huh. But like, you know, anal douching, uh, you know, it's it's not yeah. for everybody. Uh-huh. Petu- I like Petunia better. Petunia's wonderful, sassy, broad. Yeah, I enjoy yeah. her. Well, I <laughs> mean, I, I think the great thing about Petunia too is that it's so very similar. You I should think say it's that better... Petunia is your G spot. I think. Oh yes, so Petunia <laughs> is my G spot, and um, it, and it, I think it's a, a very nice complimentary scene to the public cervix announcement of just going to the side. You yeah. know, like it, it's. I think it it rings more complimentary to post porn modernist. Sure, yeah, that's wonderful. But it's it's a beautiful show. I do think yeah. people should see. I I hope it gets the tour in as many cities as possible because um, it really was a wonderful experience. I think I said this during the when I got up to do like my little share, but I was just like, mm-hmm. it was an experience. I felt connected, not just with you, but I did feel connected with the audience, mm-hmm. maybe a little extra. So with Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh-huh. but, you know, <laughs> but with the audience as a whole, I felt like we all went through something together. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I really think it is an experience, not just a show and not just entertainment mm-hmm. in any way, yeah. but a journey. For sure. Yeah. Well, where can people find you? Where can they find more information about the the show? I know, I know yeah. we didn't talk about the books, but you have like three books that they can yes. buy. Like, where where can they give you money or go follow you or go see your stuff? Totally. Um, you can check out revealallfearnothing.com. is a great place to find out about me or at Madison Young at Twitter. Um, I think those are are probably two. Two good sources. You can oh, and daddythememoir.com. You can daddy the my, memoir. Mm-hmm. I I can only imagine. Is that about you again with the the now husband? Yes, that not is, to spoil that your a, show. That but. is a big part of it. Um, and also eroticfilmschool.com, which I have two erotic film schools happening um, this year, and we have a few spots left in the um, August. That's fantastic. And also, because this happens just to be coming out in time, you have a couple of June shows left here in New York City. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I have quite a few New York listeners. If you want, what, what dates are those again? Um, yes, on June 8th and 9th, I will be at the Tank in Manhattan. Fantastic. Again, revealallfearnothing.com for more information on those. Uh, Madison, thanks so much for coming on. And why don't Thank you say you. goodbye to everybody? Bye. Can, can, can you do it in Petunia voice? Yes. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Please do go check out Madison Young on the interwebs or, hey, if she's touring in a city near you, go check her out in person. Uh, She's quite fantastic. I promise you won't regret, regret, you you won't regret it. Um, can I get some crumpets? Uh, You won't regret checking out Madison Young. I I do tell you. I also want to say uh, thank you again to Leandra Vane for helping out on that advice question earlier. Again, go check her out too on Twitter at Leandra Vane. Uh, and you, you know, you can follow me on Twitter. I hope you do so already. I'm over there on Twitter and Instagram at the Billy Presida. I hope you also like my fan page on Facebook. Uh, it's the Man Horror Podcast. Not Billy Presida. That's my private special space. I've got very few of those left. It's like Facebook in my butthole. That's all that's left to be private these days. You know, uh, <laughs> go support our sponsor, hotmovies.com. Go ahead and get a 20-minute add-on to whatever package you sign up for at hotmovies.com slash bonus and use the promo code MANHOR when you sign up. And if you want to support the Manhor podcast more directly... Okay, folks, become a member of my fan whore community on Patreon. We got oh so many wonderful rewards and a lot of cool fucking people in these communities, in this Facebook group, in the kick group. You know, a lot of cool, You get, a lot of people have made friends through this thing. A lot of people, not for nothing, have gotten laid through this thing, which I, I feel like I should get some sort of sex residual check or some sort, you know, I feel like I should get titties or something every time, every time you get laid because of my groups. Um, head on over to patreon.com slash manhor podcast, show some love, show your support for the show and get some sweet rewards while you do it. Again, that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash manhor podcast. Oh, and as always, you know, I like here, uh, you know, I forgot to say this before. Email me your comments, your questions, your birthday booby pictures over to manhorpod at gmail.com. I forgot if I said that earlier. But, you know, I got to remember to plug the email address. If you don't know the email address, I don't know what's wrong with you. But I'm supposed to remember to say manorpod at gmail.com. Cool. I've said it. Well, I did the things right. Social media, hot movies, love my sponsor, Patreon, email me stuff. Uh, it's, you know, 22 minutes till my birthday. I'm going to try to get ready for it. And uh, I'm excited to open this this envelope I got here waiting for me. Uh, from a dear friend, and you know, that, I think that's good for me. When you hear this, I'll already be 29, but the next time you hear from me, I'll actually uh, have entered into a new year of my life. So, you know, stay up, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. Stay slutty. <laughs>